Tov. Today's daf is Lamed Aleph, and we pick up at the very bottom of Lamed Amitet, and we're dealing with two explanations about why a normal person would go to the mikvah before entering into the base of mikdash. One is learned out from the coin Gadol, um, more sort of a ritual preparation for entering into the space. The other is a Shrach Tumah, to remember that you might be Tameh, as I pointed out, that nicely parallels the explanations of why the coin Gadol has a seven-day wait. Um, and now um, the Gemara says like this I'm going to buy a little Rav Yosef Rabbi says Rav Yosef very last line of Lama Rav Yosef very last line of Lama Rav Yosef I'm going to buy a little Rav Yosef Rabbi says Rav Yosef so some say Yehuda Damar Srach Tvila or some just say it's a general question Tvila Zoh Chosef El Eino Chosef this tvila, of course, especially according to Rabbi Yehuda, that says it's only to remind you that you might be Tameh, how much are we going to uh, apply the normal laws of tvila? How much are we going to say um, that you can't do it if you have a chatzitza, you have a chatzitza, right? So, the, so, meaning it's not really to make you tahor, it's not really, it doesn't accomplish anything, it's just a reminder. Yeah, so, Amalei, right. so, exactly. So, he said back to him, call the tikkun Rabbanan came to write the tikkun. Anything the rabbis did, they established, they established that it should be just like the biblical model. And here, in addition to the fact, like, yes, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right, and, you know, have it be something of weight and significance, I would also say that if it's supposed to remind you that you might be Tameh, the more you have to go through the procedure and you're treating it as a real tzvila of becoming tahor, the more it's going to serve that function. Okay. Now, Amalei Abayel Rav Yosef. So Abayel said to Rav Yosef, Bia b'miktash shma bia olav. If a person only partially enters into the base of Mikdash, um, is that considered entering in or not? Now, that's a general question even by somebody that is really Tameh, right? The person who is really Tameh who enters into the base of Mikdash is like, you know, Chayim Nisbidei Shemayim. And what happens if you only partially enter in? So some people, for example, are very careful not to um, put the Kvitlach in the, uh, in the in the niches of the Kotel, not just because of the sort of superstitious aspects of related to that uh, from a rationalistic perspective, but because, well, because if you say that, you know, the Har Habayis begins at the Kotel, the Kotel surrounds the Har Habayis, you all know that, right? Not, mm-hmm. not the actual Mikdash. Okay, and if you say it begins at the outer edge of the wall, not at the inner edge of the wall, then when you're sticking your finger, you're sticking part of your body into the zone of the Har Habayis. Now, okay, if that's a problem, if you have a certain type of tumah, if you're a balkari, if you're a nida, tumah yosei megufo. So that would be an example about biyabimiktsat. Now here, the issue is that the mitzora sticks his thumbs yeah. into the azara, so he is actually a mechusakipurim, you know, he lacks uh, the korban, the atonement. And he's not allowed to go into the Azara, but he's sticking his thumbs into the Azara. Now that actually, we know is allowed, because there's sort of like no alternative. That's how the Torah process is done. But here, the question is relating to... <coughs> so that's like a general question about Piyat and Niksat when somebody is Tameh. But here the question relates to this requirement, this new requirement of everybody to go to the mikvah before. Okay? So... If I, if the halacha is, there's a new halacha, maybe it's rabbinic, maybe it's based on the Pasuk by the Kohen Gadol, anybody before entering the Azara has to go into the, has to go into the mikvah. What if I only want to stick my finger into the Azara? Do I still have to go to the mikvah or not? What halacha would we apply for that requirement of going to the mikvah before if my entering is only a entering the mikvah? Okay, so that's the question. Amalei, so he back, said back to him, Again, the same answer about the Mitzvah. His thumbs will be a proof. He's only going to enter, put his thumbs in. And we have taught that the Mitzvah has to go to the Mikvah before entering in. And the only reason that Rabbi Yehuda disagrees, if you'll remember, is because he went to the Mikvah the day before. But everybody agrees that fundamentally the Mitzvah is required to do this Tvilah before entering, even though he's not really fully entering. He's just sticking his thumbs in. Okay, so that's your answer to that. Which is a little ironic then, that in order to put his thumbs in, he has to go to the mikvah, but for the real laws of Tum because he's really a Mechusa Kippurim, he still has to stick his thumbs into the Azara, even though he is not allowed to himself enter because he lacks the final Korban. Okay, so we can't do anything about that. That's the process of Tahara. But for this requirement of mikvah, that we're going to demand, even if he's only sticking his thumbs in. Now they raise the following question. 
Okay, now we have this about a Tamei person. But again, the same type of questions we can ask about somebody who is Tamei. Can he stick his thumbs in? Can a Tamei person stand outside the Azarah and check with a knife um, a Korban in the Azarah? Because we learn out that the Korban has to be Lishnei Hashem, but the Shochet doesn't have to be Lishnei Hashem. Okay, so can a... So the Gemara elsewhere asks the question, so can a Tamei person stand outside the Azarah with a long knife and check the Korban in the Azarah? So, why not? Because you lose a lot of control. Okay. Um, I understand it's a theoretical. It's a theoretical. It's really, like, very clarified. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So we'll keep it at the theoretical. Okay. So this is the question. So it was a question about a tomato person. But here, the question is, that's normally how the question is asked. Here, the question is asked about a Tahoe person who didn't go to the mikvah. Right? So we have this new requirement that any Tahor person, even if you're Tahor, you go to the Mikvah before entering into the Mikdash. I'm not, so there's two ways of interesting testing the limits of this. I'm not really entering the Mikdash. Just my sons are entering the Mikdash. Sorry, you still have to go to the Mikdash. I'm not entering the Mikdash at all. I'm just doing an Avoda in the Mikdash without entering it. I'm doing a long distance Avoda. But I personally am not going in the Mikdash. Okay, what's the story? Now, you remember, by the way, that Tosa said if we learn it from a Kohen Gadol, that the actual model of a Kohen Gadol is not just entering the Mikdash, it's entering to do the Avoda. That's the actual model of the Kohen Gadol. We've split off one piece of that and said that even if you just enter, you have to go. In a way, this is the other piece. You're just doing an Avoda without entering. Do you have to go? So let's see what the Gemara answers. Um, okay. You could ask this either according to Benzoma that says the reason is you learn from a coin Gadol and you could ask the rabbis who argue on Rabbi Yehuda remember the rabbis who said that even in Mitzorah that, that, um, that normal people only in Mitzorah have to go normal people don't have to go so that was a position that they completely reject the idea of going to the mikvah before entering into the Mikdash so let's see how it works out either way that says that everybody has to go to the mikvah before entering. Until now, Benzoma only demands going to the mikvah. If you're actually entering inwards, if you're on the outside, well, you would say no. The requirement is when you enter, not when you don't enter. End of story. Or maybe you say the opposite. That if you're already doing the avoda and you're shechting, as Doro said, it's very hard to manage that, and you'll come to to you know be drawn after the act that you're doing, and you'll come to overstep the line. So it's interesting the Gemara frames it as a concern. You might overstep the line, right? Because I could have said, as I said, as I was saying before, it could be a formal idea, right? Avoda itself might demand tvila the same way entering demands tvila. Maybe avoda demands tvila, but the Gemara has it just as a chash as a concern. Technically, you shouldn't be, have to, but we're afraid you might come to overstep the line. That's according to Ben Zoma. Now you can ask according to the rabbis that argue in Rebbe Yehuda, the rabbis who say that only Mitzorah does the tefillah, no, a normal person does not do the tefillah, normally they don't require it. So now you could say, until now the rabbis say, you normal person who goes into the mikdash doesn't have to go to the mikvah to go to Avid Avodah. You're not coming to do an Avodah. Here you're doing an avoda, so lo, maybe they would disagree. Maybe they'd say, yeah, anybody who's doing an avoda, that we admit requires a tvila. Oh, or maybe it doesn't matter, teku, and that remains as an unanswered question. So from here we have two different reasons about why a normal person is required to go to the mikvah. And by the way, there's also opinion of the Rabbanan that rejects it and say a normal person does not go to the mikvah. But two different reasons why a person would go to the mikvah. One is to remind him he might be Tameh. The other is a ritual before entering into the space. As I said, nicely parallels the seven days of the Kohen Gadol. According to one, it's a concern of Tumah with the ashes of the Paraduma and the whole thing. And according to the two main reasons in the beginning of the Gemara, it's more about this ritual of preparation. And even there we see a nice parallel because is it a preparation to enter the space learned from Harsinai remember by the Gadol or is it a preparation to do the Avoda learned from the Miluim and here too right the Gemara focuses on the preparation for entering the space anybody who just enters but as Joseph points out the actual Sukim by the Kohen Gadol are about entering to do the Avoda and that's the question the Mark revisits here let's say you're just doing the Avoda without entering the space so very nice parallel to the reasons of the Kohen Gadol is a normal person who enters must enter the mikvah before and be, be, must go into the mikvah before entering or, or doing an avoda. Yes. I, I, I have a tumor-related question. Yeah, go for it. So I sort of have relations to throw 
woman is Tanea and needs to go to the mikvah. Is a Nida, specifically. Right. Is it usher to have relations with the name of the Shah? No. The only Tum'ah that translates into an Isor Biyah, to a, to, to a pro- prohibition against sex, is the Tum'ah of a Nida or a Zava. Nothing that relates to a man, and no other Tum'ahs that relate to a woman. Now, it is true that by a Mitzora, Chazal understand, Badad Yeshev, he must be alone, which means that he must be outside of his house, he can't have sex with his wife, but that's of a different nature. And also, interestingly, that does not apply by a woman who's a Mitzora. So she's... Uh, um, but but pr- fundamentally, it only applies to a need and a zava. Okay. All right. Let's take a look back at the Gemara. Now we get finally, finally. Not like we're not going to pull back out again. We keep on sort of zooming out and zooming in. But now we're going to zoom in again into the Kohen Gadol about the five tefilot he would do and the ten washings of hands, one before and after each tefilah. We'll see details about that later um, on, Yom, on Yom Kippur. Okay. And the first one he did as the uh, before entering into the. Um, to the mikdash, taking off his weekday garments, putting on his kuhuna garments, and as we've seen, that was a normal tefillah that normal people would do anyway. Um, all the, okay, so Tana Rabbanan, our rabbi told, He would go ten times to the mikvah, five times to the mikvah, ten times washing his hands. They were all in the azara, in the holy space, uh, oh, on the top of this beta parva, on top of this chamber. Except for the first one, that that was in a non-sanctified space because you have to go to the mikvah before entering into the sanctified space. Agabi Sharhamayim by the on top of the gate of water. And that was next to his chamber where he has been staying that week. Okay, if you remember, there was a whole question about where his chamber was, and was his chamber open to Chol Kodesh, opened into Chol, he's sleeping in his chamber, presumably his chamber has to be Chol, either based on the space that it's in, or based on the space that it's open into, um, and similarly, this uh, this place of the Tefillah, and it makes sense that the place of the Tefillah, you know, would be close to where he's been staying, so that would be nearby where he was staying, right on top of this gate, and that's where he would go, and that would be Bechol, before he began the Avodah. Okay, Amar Baye, let me just want to miss that for one second. Was one of the possibilities a chamber inside the width of Shar Nicanor? Um, no. There is a chamber like that, but that's not I, that's what not we're what talking we about here, no. Okay, okay. So, okay, so now it sounds like this. Um, okay. Um, so, uh, we can see, we infer from this point that Ain Etam, the, the, the wellspring of Etam, which they understood was the wellspring that, from where they drew the water, um, for the Mikdash and where the water came for the Mikvah, um, Gavoa Mikarka, Mikarka Azara, Asrim Vishlosha Amot. It's 23 Amot higher than the, uh, than the floor of the Azara. How do you know that? Did not because we saw it in the Mishnah. Call up Tachim Shayub Sham. All of the gates that were in the Beit Hamikdash. Govan Esrim. This is eighty times the well someplace else. Well, in a different mountain, and it's feeding the water. Yeah, presumably there's an. Yeah, could I just see the map? Visual bath. That's nice. Upper aqueduct. Solomon's pools. They think the Ani Tam is down here, past Beit Lechem. Right. Wow. Eitan Spring alongside Solomon's Pool, a long aqueduct, flows from this spring to roughly 20 kilometers. Wow. So they're actually, they actually have uncovered the aqueduct? Yes. Yeah, Widening between the mountains, passing through the tunnels until it reaches the Temple Mount. The present-day Eitan Spring is located in an altitude 760 meters above sea level, 25 meters higher than the Temple Mount, which you need it to be higher in order for the aqueduct to be down. This was destroyed at the time of destruction of the temple, but later restored. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. Look at that. And see if even lower, it's even further south of Beit Lehem. Yeah, there's pieces of that. And aqueduct. they actually have an aqueduct. South of Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Okay. So great. So this is. So this is going to be the water that feeds the Beit Hamikdash, and it has to be, and it's going to be 23 amot higher than the Azara. How do we know it? Sitnan. Kol Sachim Shayusham. All of the gates that were there, Govan Asrim Amot, were 20 Amot tall, the Rachvan Eser Amot, and 10 Amot wide, Chutz Mishel Ulam, except for the Ulam, which isn't our concern. Betanya, now he was on top of one of the gates. He was on top of the gate of the Shar Hamayim, aptly named. Betanya, Rachat Pesorob Hamayim, B'mei Mikvah. So now we're going to learn the basic size of a Mikvah. 
So he washes his, his, his flesh with water. This is by um, the Kohen Gadol. Um, so that means not normal water, but he has to go into a mikvah. Kol his entire flesh. So here we learn a halacha. Mayim shekol gufa olabahem. That the mikvah has to be the size that, he can, that his entire body can be submerged in it. The Tamahain, how big is that? Ama al ama b'rom shalosh amot. An ama by an ama by three amot high. Now, I want to stop here for a second because three amot is about four and a half feet. And even though people in the past were shorter, they weren't that much shorter. Um, and Tosos raises this question. Tosos, based on other Gemarot, also points out that three amot, it gets you basically to your shoulder height does not get you to the top of your head. Mm-hmm. So he raises the question, if three amot only gets you to your shoulder height, how does an ama by an ama by three amot get your entire body to submerge? So one answer is, right, you crouch. Bend your knees. You crouch, you bend your knees, but then he's got an even better answer, which is, if the walls of the mikvah are higher, the water displacement right. takes care of it. So you go in, it starts to chill right, but the water displacement raises the water over your head. Okay, but even if the walls of the mikvah aren't higher, yes, you crouch and you bend your knees. So that's why you have an ama by an ama by three amot. Now, the shiur chachami may mikvah ba'im sa'ad, that would be 40, and that would be 40 sa'ad, okay, which is our size of a mikvah. Now, so now what's the proof? The proof is like this. The proof is that here's your shar hamayim, Right? And that's the gate like that. Okay? And you have your mitzvah built on here. Right? Mitzvah is built on top of the Shah Hamayim. Okay? So we need some space to walk around. I don't know exactly anyway. Okay, here's his mitzvah. Right here, the steps going up. Okay? That's the mitzvah he goes to. Okay, on top of the Shah is that the Shah is 20 amot. And the mitzvah is 1 by 1 by 3. Now, it's just that. How do we know it was built those parameters? Maybe it was built like a bathtub. But let's assume that that's the normal way a mikvah is built. So the top of the mikvah is 23 amot off of the ground, off of the karta of the azarah. So the wellspring that feeds it has to be coming down, right? right? So the wellspring that feeds it has to be higher than 23 um, than 23 amot off of the floor of the azarah in order to feed. I don't know. Well, look. Here's what they got. They got the aqueduct. Now, I don't understand something about that aqueduct, and I was going to ask about this. Because, you know, this is a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. So, if this is a mountain, somebody explain this to me. Here's Harabite. Okay? In order to get something up a mountain, you got to either, it doesn't matter if your original source is high up here and your A and A time and death ram is above sea level. You know, what are you going to do? Where's. Where's, how are you going to get it up the mountain? That's you have to build like an aqueduct up, you know, yeah, up, Roman aqueduct. Roman aqueduct. It has to be off yeah. the ground, not in the ground. Those pictures are aqueducts in the ground, right? Yeah. But it's well, certain, would be in but the ground. But it's very important the aqueduct has to be off the ground, yeah. which then raises interesting questions about shu'uvin, you know, drawn that's water. That's the question I was about to ask. But, you know, again, there's questions. It might not technically be a clee. Is it made out of metal? Not made out of metal? Is it is, is there human agency or does it flow naturally? But this would raise interesting questions, right? I mean, look, when the rainwater comes down the mikvah, right, there are pipes that bring right. it from right. the rooftop right. to the, work, so right. there are ways, so, you know, so in terms of the laws of shuvim, you know, especially if there's not human, human involvement and agency involved, and, and what, what should be something is halachically considered a kli or not, those things matter. But presumably you needed an aqueduct off the ground, and this Einetam had to start 23 amot away, uh, more than 23 amot higher than the floor of Yadara, because it is bringing it to the because it's bringing it to the mikvah that's on top of the Shar Hamayim, which is 23 amot. Does it matter, like in terms of of shuvim, the top of the aqueduct where the water is flowing is not a closed pipe. Not close. Did that make a difference? Right. So that, yes, that could make a difference. But again, if it's metal, it's um, it's still a bait kibul and whatever. So there's a, yeah, so it's clay, so that's, that's wonderful. Okay. So it looks like stone. Right. Stone is fabulous. Stone isn't a clay. All right. So God willing, one of these days we'll learn mikvot. Not really because it's not Yomi. I'll give you a separate we'll year in mikvot. Rabbi, okay. you're going to Israel. All right. I'll come back and I'll report. Okay. Very good. Let's go on. So it says like this. All right. So the Gemara says, 
Vaika Ama Ama Ma'aziva. One minute says you don't start building a mikvah right on top of the top of the uh, of the of, of the gate of the you know uh, uh, you need you need first of all uh, some thickness for the wall and then you need plaster before you're going to build something especially if it's the whole thing is supposed to be ho- containing water so there's got to be it's got to be higher than twenty three. Says, no, the gates of the Beit HaMikdash, since they were made out of marble, now, I don't know, have they found marble gates? I mean, I think they're made out of stone, not marble. Have they ever found... I know it's a stone, but have they found marble gates in any of the excavations? Anyway, since they were made out of marble... You only need a small amount, you know, it's marble is nice and strong and I think relatively non-porous, is that correct? Yeah. So therefore, you don't need a whole big roof with plaster and the whole thing. You could start building, you know, a thin roof, and then you start building the and then you start building the uh, mix on top of it. So Gemara says, What about the little mashu that at least you need before you start building the mikvah? There wasn't a full amma. We're rounding that. We're rounding to amma. So it's twenty-three ammas in a little bit. So we round it to twenty-three. Okay, that was an interesting little digression, but pointing out an interesting question about how they get water to the base of mikdash. Parts to start in This spring, this well spring, was in the actual temple court. That's something else, right? Yeah, but I think that that I have to. I think that that also fed all the water in the basin cash, not just this. Uh, let's see. Um, I'd have to check. It would be very strange that they would get their water from different sources. I mean, if you already have a very good source and you're bothering to schlep it all the way to the base of the It would make total sense because the aqueducts were relatively modern construction. Right. And Yushalayim was Yushalayim and it became, it was a cement because it had a source of water. So you're saying maybe they already had another water source in place prior, they needed more water. I'd have to look. I'd have, I, I don't remember. I'd have to look in to see if that's explicit. Okay, Parsha Sadim Shabbat. Now, before he actually went to the mikvah, they spread out this linen garment, obviously to protect his privacy. So, um, because he's on a rooftop. So, Majna Shabbat. Why linen? So we should remember that, you know, the special avodas of Yom Kippur, half the avodas he's doing in the gold garment, the normal gold garment, those are the weekday ones, but the ones that are related to Yom Kippur and that are more in the inner sanctum, those are in linen ones. So you have this linen to remind him the special garments of Yom Kippur. So the same way we're going to give that explanation why later when he changes his clothes and does another one of the changings in the middle of the day, they have a linen garment to protect his privacy. Here too, same idea they use linen garments because the special avodas of the day are done with linen again it's interesting the idea that to remind him or he should ne- he should not he should not say to remind him that he should acknowledge that he should recognize you know you might say because if we had to pick, pick one thing symbolically we're going to pick linen because that's this much special about the day is the linen garments so maybe that's what it means here not like we're exactly afraid that he'll forget Tosos reads that we're afraid he'll forget and put on the wrong garments uh, but it could just mean you know to underscore the fact that this is the special garments of the day. Okay. So now we're going to get him actually going into the mikvah. Let's take a look. Pashat Yar Vitaval. So he stripped off his garments. He went into the mikvah. Um, he went to, um, he, he, he went down. He went to, he, he was tovel. He immersed. Alav He got up. He dried himself. He did a little big days off. So they brought him now the gold garments because he starts with the normal avodas of the day before the special avodas of Yom Kippur. The lavash. He, he, he put them on. The Kiddush Yadav Raglav. The Kiddush? The Kiddush. The Kiddush. The Yadav Raglav. And he washed his hands and feet. Okay, so now we're seeing, by the way, I told you that there were two washings before and after the mikvah, so five mikvahos become ten washings. But if you'll notice here, it does, does not say you washed before, it only says you washed after. Because according to this approach, the washing only was followed putting on Vigdei Kodesh or taking off Vigdei Kodesh. So you didn't have a washing prior to the first one because he was not, uh, before, before that, right, he was not taking off Vigdei Kodesh. So then how are you going to get ten? Because if you think about it, Basically, how this is going to work. Hold, Zahav, 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 right? 
you're going to switch his garments five times. Yes? Well, then okay, and then, <coughs> and then home, and then back to his weekday garment, okay? So he's not going to have a washing of the hands here. But he'll have it when he takes them off here, that's one, right? Puts them on, two, takes them off, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, we're still stuck, aren't we? Um, <coughs> okay, one minute. Oh, no, 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 because here, here's what I did wrong, here's what I did wrong. <coughs> what I did wrong is, okay, so here he goes to the mikvah. <coughs> okay, that's what I did wrong, right? He goes to the mikvah between them, right? So that's five times going to the mikvah. From Chol to Zah, from Zah to Laban, right? So here is the first time he washes his hands <coughs> before putting on the Zah. Then he washes it after taking it off, right? Then before putting on, then... So if you think about not the mitzvahs before and after, but the clothes before and after, that's how you're going to get ten, okay? The mitzvahs are between them, but the washing of the hands is before and after each of the begadim. Okay, so before the big days off, and then when he takes it off, next time he takes the mitzvah, he's going to take it off, go to the mitzvah, wash his hands, go to the mitzvah, wash his hands, put it on. So it's before and after. Is the same clothing? What? Same clothing or different? No, that's right. Look, Zahav Laban, Zahav Laban. Okay. Okay. Oh, the same, well, we're actually going to see. He actually wore different white garments in the second time than the first time. Okay, so let's take a look, okay? Okay, he vealos the tamid. They brought him the Korban mm-hmm. Tamid. Kirtso, he shechted it, which is a word for shechting. Um, the Gemara will explain that. Oh, I'm sorry, I said I read that. I read that. Okay. You, you, put the, you put the first one right before the Zav. Here's after, get it afterwards. Fine. Um, right? No, but what I meant was, this is the time he's doing the in the Zav. Okay, here's where he puts it on, and here's where he takes it off. Here is doing the avoda. Okay? Why did you take him off from the beginning of the system? His weekday clothes. That's what it's called. His nice clothes. Yeah. Okay. So he washes his hands. He puts it on. He does the avoda. He takes it off and he washes his hands. Okay. Um, okay. He vealed lo bidei zav. He vealed lo tamid. They brought him the tamid. So he shechted it. al yado. And another person finished doing the shechita for him. Like he, but he, well, the Gemara will discuss why it uses the word kit. So anyway, he does enough in the shechita rove in order to be yotze, and somebody else finishes the job again. He's like in such a rush, he can't even take. I never understood this. The extra half a second to finish the job. Okay, it seems like it's just so much more complicated and time consuming to transfer it than to finish it. I understand, but keep, I, I, he's, we're going to say that, but yeah, okay, I, yeah, I guess that's true. It's not just that he's in a rush, it's that he has to quickly change in order to get the dom. Yeah, you're right, he has to switch over. So it's not just the time issue, it's not the time, right, long, big picture, it's just, the, it's just to immediately shift to be macabre the dom, yeah. I still don't exactly get it. I mean, you have to sort of be holding the thing here, but you can't, by the way, shaft with one end and hold with another, because you have to do a vote in the right hand. So in the way, some blood is going to escape. Again, maybe if you just did rove, the blood doesn't start squirting out right away, and that gives you the time to catch it. But you know, the blood will only start squirting out a second later when you finish the shita. Yes. How can you do shita where you start and then stop and then keep going? Is that still kosher? Yeah. Um, well, um, you mean about the issue about shihiya? Yeah. But you know, not, but if you but if you did rove and you were yotze already, then it's okay. Now there is actually you were yotze. So anything else is like you could chop off the head of the animal now. You don't have to do shechita, okay? There's an interesting Rashi that talks about if you do a psul after row, then finish it, does maybe the finishing make it more po- possible because the psul now got integrated into it. But anyway... That's by every animal that you shaft. Every, every time we... You mean the fact that we pause makes it more, it gives, it, it causes more pain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I assume that's true. I don't have an answer to that. I don't have an answer to that. Okay. What? Yeah, so it's over. It's over for the Shrita, but Rivka's saying that there's still suffering if you do it more. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. Bleeding out of that point, when it's over. Uh-huh. No, well, okay. Okay. I'm going to keep on reading now. Um, okay. So then he went, because, um, so, um, right, as Jonathan correctly said, he, you know, he had to finish quickly. He had to list, he couldn't do the whole thing because he had to quickly transfer to get to, to be Macabre the Dom. The Zarko, he threw the Dom because we had already spoken about how this whole process about bringing the Tamid. So now we have that background. Now we're going to see how the Kohen Gadol is going to do it. And it's not going to be this thing that's divided amongst all these Kohenim. Um, then after the blood of the Tamid, he did the, he went to burn the morning incense. Ulehitivatanerot to clean out the nerot, um, and then he what went. The two and the five. And all right, so that was all discussed <coughs> before. Ulehakrivatarot. Now we're getting to talk about the limbs to the ramp. You see how good it is that we had those early mishnayot. Now you know exactly what it's talking about. Ulehakrivatarot. Vesevarim the head and the other limbs. You put it on the ramp. Vachavitin. And remember, there were other things that were brought with the limbs. For example, the chavitin, uh, which is the mincha uh, of the coin gadol, which you would bring half in the morning and half in the afternoon. That's a yayin and the wine that came with it, the Minchas Nesachim. K'toz shel shachai sakreva bein dam le'evarim. Now we're going to talk again about a general rule. The morning k'toras was uh, burnt up between the throwing of the blood of the tamid and the limbs, as this Mishnah said. He threw the blood and then he did the k'toras. So bein arbayim, the afternoon k'toras, bein evarim le'nesachim. That what they would do after the limbs of the afternoon tamid were brought up, not after the dam. They did the dam, then the limbs, and then they did the ketoret, and then they did the nisachim, the wine and the flour. Okay? If the Kohen Gadol was elderly, or he was very fastidious, okay, and now we're not... And you, you think you're talking about something relating to the avoda, but now we're doubling back to talk about the mikvah. It's getting funny that we're doubling back to talk about the mikvah now. You would heat up hot water and put it into the cold water. So not be so in order to sort of you know um, um, uh, yeah in order to wow. right to to, to um, in, in order to warm to, to remove some of its coldness some of the cold okay which is going to lead to interesting questions about bishop questions on Shabbos and and and, and, and Yom Kippur right can you put hot water in cold water aren't you heating up the cold water what about bishop so we'll take a look at that when we get to tomorrow. So that's a good question too, right? What well, they had a fire going somewhere, and how did they? N- now, how is it not possible to mikvah? That's not a problem because once you have a kosher mikvah forty sa'ah, you can put in a lot of drawn water, and it doesn't invalidate it. That's why, for example, our mikvahs there's the bore of the mega shaman that has the kosher mikvah of the forty sa'ah, and then it's connected through a tiny little hole, and then the mikvah that actually is used is fresh water that's put in and changed on a regular basis. Because right, because once you have a kosher mikvah, you can add as much as you want to it, and you don't invalidate. So it's not a problem that they're heating up water, for, you know, and it's drawn water, and then they're bringing it. The question is, how are you doing this on, on Yontif? How are you doing it on Yom Kippur? Okay, so we'll take a look. Okay, but they did a Kadesh Tafik Tinatan to remove the cold. Okay, Amrurabun came to Rav Papa. So the rabbi said, the rabbis, the rabbinic students said to Rav Papa, Hadulok Rabbi Meir, this is not like a Rabbi Meir. Dik Rabbi Meir, according to Rabbi Meir, we'll see which Rabbi Meir we're talking about. Okay, um, so, Kivan the Amri Treki Dushe, Alavisha, Avilahu, Hachanami Lavi Treki Dushe, Alavisha. Because according to Rabbi Meir, you, we'll see later, it's not like, it's not here, but you did it, you did it, and then you put it on, and then you took it off here. If you want it to be even more precise, Okay, you did the kiddush and then you put it on. Then you took it off and then you did the kiddush. Right, that's how we have it. Before putting it on and then after taking it off. So Rabbi Mayer says you did the two of them before and, and, and after. You put it before taking it on and after putting it on. Okay. So according to him, right, our mission is not like Rabbi Mayer because our mission should have mentioned right two tefillot. So let's take a look. Two kiddush shadayims. Right. Um, um, one minute. Right. Uh, da, da, da. Okay. Um, so the Mishnah is like this: the Eager Rebbe Mayer, if it's like Rebbe Mayer, since he says you do the two washings when you put it on, alavisha. So our Mishnah should have said that. So our Mishnah is not like Rebbe Mayer. Our Mishnah has it about putting on and taking off. It does not have it about. Um, it does not have it about before and after. Actually, I think I did it wrong. 
Hina did it wrong. Our Mishnah has it. I get it wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. Our Mishnah has it. You put it on and then you do Lavisha. Okay? Um, and then you take it off and you do it. So our Mishnah actually has it after putting it on and, and, and after taking it off. Okay, but Rebbe Mayer says it's both relating to the Lavisha and that therefore our Mishnah is clearly not Rebbe Mayer. Um, okay. So... Is that clear? Have I managed to confuse everybody? You didn't do one big one instead of I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I think I've successfully managed to Okay. So here's your weekday garment. Okay. Here is your 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 Kodesh garment, your Zahav. Okay. Here's where you put it on. You put it on, and here's where you take it off. Okay. Our Mishnah says that you wash your hands, you, you go to the mitzvah. Mikvah here too, and between this and the Zaz, you go to the mikvah, you put it on, and then you wash. Okay, that's what our mission said. And then we're going to find out later that you take it off, and then you wash again, and then you go to the mikvah, and then you repeat. Okay, that's our mission's approach. Go to the mikvah, put it on, go, go to the mikvah, put on your new clothes, and then do a wash. Okay, mm-hmm. yes, we are, and that's why if you have these five times, it's going to become ten. Okay, mm-hmm. Rebbe Mayer says, one minute, Rebbe Mayer says, no, what Rebbe Mayer says is that you do it before you put it on and after you put it on. Okay, that's what Rebbe Mayer says. It's not about taking off. So according to Rebbe Mayer, you would not do number two here, you did number two there. And then here, where we have the Laban, right, and we have the same thing, the on and the off, right, that he may say that this will be three, and this will be four. Okay, it's before and after putting on. So that you may even get two for each change of clothes, but it's all related to the putting on. The before and the after. Right, the taking off is just the that count. Right, that is Rebbe Mayer. Where you have to take them off before you put them on. Do you still have ten? Where, yes, you still have ten, because you have two associated with each clothes. Okay, but according to the Rabbanan, no. It is one after putting on, and it is one after taking off. Okay? So that is the debate. Is it after you go on and after you go off? Or before and after you put it on. It's wearing these clothing in a voter. The act of wearing the, the act clothes? of putting on the clothing in a voter. Um, <coughs> no. Yeah, but I, I, it's an interesting way of framing it. Let's see when we get to that. I don't think that that's. I, I'm not. I, I, maybe. Maybe that that's somewhat of what it's based on. But yeah, I, I wouldn't commit to that yet. Okay. So let's take a look at what the Gemara says like this. Okay. Um, so. Uh, Rebbe Mayer, Rebbe Mayer says you wash your hands twice when you get on, when you put on the clothes, before and after you put them on. It's should have said you did it twice before and after you put them on, and ours only said you did it after you put it on. Both the rabbis and Rebbe Mayer agree that it is that it, one of the washing hands is because you're taking off the holy garment, meaning it's not for big and one for putting on the garment. So here's the debate. Upashat v'rachat v'lavash. Right, that's what the pasuk says. Upashat v'rachat v'lavash. You know, where's the whole pasuk? Yeah, that's no, but that's by Tzav. That's a different if I shot it. That's not by the Kohen Gadol. That's not by Yom Kippur. You have it? What is it? Go ahead, say it. (laughs) Um, Okay. Let's take a look. Or really did not do this right. They should have said, Where else is the Bible? <laughs> yeah, that would help. Um, so, would you have a new document thing? Is it the new article? Oh, yeah, it's in the article. Here, Ufashat is the day code. No, that's a different one. Hold on. Ufashat is the that's what I was. That's what I was reading. about Oh yeah, thank you. about I was right the right place. So then you take it off. You, you then hot and then Okay, and the bigadav is the is the big day Rav Meir holds 
Makis Pshita Lilavisha. You would connect the taking off to the putting on. Malavisha Lovesh Vashakak Mikadesh. The same way when you put on, you put on, and then you wash your hands. How we know that is not clear yet, but we'll take that for granted. Av Pshita, even when you take them off, Poshet Vashakak Mikadesh. You take it off, and then you wash your hands. You wash it after you take it off. For Abundant Savi, and the rabbi told, Makish Pshita Lilavisha. No, here's the connection. The same way when by Pshita when he is dressed he washes his hands. Even when he takes it off he takes it off when he is dressed. What the, when he still, even when he washes it in the process of taking it off it's while he is still dressed. What does this mean? It means that we have said that the debate of the Rabbanon and Rabbi Meir is that the Rabbanon would be saying before taking on after putting on and then and then and then after taking off. Okay, and Rabbi Meir would say that you did it right before and after, like yeah. this. Okay, but that it was all related to the big day zahat. Okay, we thought that it was all related not to what you took off, but to what you're putting on. And that Rabbi Meir was just saying before and after the thing you put on. And therefore, in our Mishnah, he should have had two, not just one. That was our question, right? But why? what makes us say that according to Rabbi Meir? What makes us say that according to Rabbi Meir is because Rabbi Meir, when we're, talk, when we're going to talk in another Mishnah about switching from the gold to the white, Rabbi Meir is going to say, you do one here, right, and one here. So we're saying, ah, according to Rabbi Meir, look, it's that before and after putting it on, right? Because it's one here and one here, and therefore it should have here been two as well in our Mishnah. But comes along Rav Papa, and Rav Papa says, you got it all wrong. Right? There's another way to interpret the before and after here, putting it on. What's the other way to interpret the before and after? after going this isn't about before putting on the clothes. It's about after taking off the gold clothes. And therefore, the reason, even Rebbe Mayer would say you don't have it here, right? Because there's whole clothes. So really, you've got the debate wrong, okay? The point is like this. Rebbe Mayer holds that the only debate is everybody agrees it is not about taking, it is not about, uh, it is not about two washings for the new clothes. Everybody agrees it relates to the old clothes, so you're not going to do it here. The whole debate is, when do you do this washing? Rebbe Mayer says you do this washing after you go to the mikvah. Okay, yes, it's about the old clothes, but you do it after you go to the mikvah. It seems a little funny that it's about the old clothes, but nevertheless, that's what he says. So Rabbanan say no. You don't do the washing after you go to the mikvah. The washing that you're going to do is going to be here before you even take off, before you even take off your old clothes. Now, what's the diff- What's the reason? So let's take a look. So the Gemara says like this. Let's read it again. Rabbi Meir Savar Makish Pshita Lulavisha. You connect the taking off to the putting on. Ma Levisha Lovesh Achak Mikadesh, the same way when you put it on, first you take it off and then you wash your hands. Avkita Poshate the Achak Mikadesh. Okay? So the same way here, what happens here? You put on your clothes and then you do the washing of the hands. So similarly, when it comes here, says the Mayor, you're first gonna take off your clothes and then you're going to do the washing of your hands. Okay, now why is after you go to the mikvah? We'll talk about. But anyway, that's what he says. That's why he says it comes here because you take off your clothes. You after the mikvah, you put that before the mikvah. I know, because he's not talking about one of the mikvahs. I'm, I'm making it more confusing. But okay, okay. But anyway, okay. So he says that the mayor says, I say <coughs> the same way you put on your clothes and you wash your hands. You take off your clothes and you wash What's your hands. So therefore, it can be confusing which is going on. But it's really going here on the taking off of the clothes. Okay, I just say that you the same way you put it on, you you, you 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 put on and you wash your hands, you take off and you wash your hands. What do the rabbis say? Yeah, yeah, well, one minute. Well, I just let me just finish this. Okay, for Rabbanon Savi and the rabbis say Makish Pshita Lulavisha Malavisha Kushula Vush Mekadesh Ab Pshita Kushula Vush Mekadesh. Rabbis say no because you, you the same way here you're dressed when you wash your hands. When you're doing it for what you take off, we still want you to be dressed while you're washing your hands. We don't want you to be do it when you're undressed. Okay? So at the end of the day, they both agree that this is related to the garments you take off. And therefore, <coughs> nobody has one here when you switch from big day home. The question is, if it's about the garments you take off, do you do it before you take them off so that you'll still be dressed the same way you're dressed here? Or do you do it after you the act of taking it off the same way this comes after the act of putting it on. 
Okay, but when Rabbi Neir says before and after here, it's not because it relates to putting it on. It relates to taking it off. Okay, wearing yes. nothing when he's doing this kiddushin. Uh, According to Rabbi Meir, yeah. yes, he's wearing nothing. Nothing, right? According to Rabbi Meir, yeah, it does. I like the question which should have been obvious before, I guess, but. You would think that mikvah is like Right. Right. But no. I mean, look, there's a halacha that a coin does cannot be nichnas um, to what do you call it? Um, you know, without kiddush adam raglayim. And even if he's gone to the mikvah, right? The Torah says that he has to kiddush adam raglayim, or you know, he's chayiv misa. So that's a specific act of kiddush adam raglayim. You're right. In terms of like tuma and tara, mikvah supersedes. But in terms of like this ritual, then there's something special to distinct to the kiddush adam raglayim. You're totally correct. Yeah. Somebody. No, he does it. He puts his hand in the water. On his legs, and he writes. <laughs> he puts his hand in the water. No, he, no, he holds his he holds a hand and a leg to get it together, and he, and he pours other. water on them. On yeah, no, no. Uh, right from and the key oil. Yeah, correct. What? Everybody had to wash the feet before you went into the smegdash. Yes. Okay, but here he's doing it every time before he goes. Uh, he's, here he's doing, but here he's doing it every time he switches. Okay, I just double checked. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I think I'm confusing people today. But um, what, but I just double checked. And yes, according to Rabbi Mayer, this is before he goes to the mikvah, which actually supports <coughs> Rabbi Papa's explanation. Okay, the later Mishnah says, if you take a look at Lamadal and Amadbet, that's the Rabbi Mayer. Let's look at that quickly. Okay, it says. And then Yarad Vitaval. Okay? So it's very clear here that the mitzvah going is everybody agrees that the Kiddush comes before the mitzvah. The only question here is the debate about Rabbi Meir and the Rabbanan is it before or after you take off your clothes. Okay? This the Rabbanon say it's before you take off your clothes, and Rabbi Meir says it's after you take off your clothes. But everybody agrees that it's before the mikvah. So I'm sorry, I think I was confusing people before. So now you understand what Rav Papa's saying. Is he saying Rav Meir isn't doing it about dressing the new clothes? He's having you do it before you go to the mikvah. It's all about taking off your old clothes. The only question is before you take off your old clothes or after you take off your old clothes. But it's all about the old clothes, and therefore everybody agrees you don't get one here because these are your weekday clothes. But when they're Kodesh clothes, the whole debate is before or after you take off the clothes. Okay, so let's see now what the Rabbanon say. Um, so, Amrulei the Rabbanon Rappapa. So the rabbi said back to Rappapa. Remember, the rabbis here, the rabbinic students, felt that according to Rabbi Meir, it was about the new clothes, not about the old clothes. How can you say that? They spread out this uh, linen garment. Um, he took off his clothes and he went down as a mikvah. He dried off. They brought him the gold clothes. And he dressed. And he washed his hands. So that's like we understand. Go to the mikvah, get dressed, wash your hands. Rabbi Meir Omer, Pashat, took off your old clothes. Go to the mitzvah. I mean, do the do the Yarad the tabal. Go down. So, meaning we have a brayta which explicitly is understood. Again, not exactly clear how you know this brayta is talking about about the first change. But he says we actually have a brayta that says that according to Rabbi Meir, <coughs> that you would actually go, that, that, that when you're switching from Big Dechol, that according to Rabbi Meir, you would wash your hands, um, right? What does the Brayta say? It says he's going to Big Zahav. One minute. They know that a Pashat, Vyarad, Vitabala, Vizvila, Big Zahav, the Lavash, Rabbi Meir, Omer, Pashat, the Kidash, Adraglav, Vyarad, Vitabala. We have a Brayta that explicitly says that, this, that the same debate here happens here, right? According to the Rabbanan, According to Rabbi Meir, you would do number one and number two before and after the mikvah. And according to the Rabbanan, you would only do it after the mikvah. So the point is, so that's the point. The Gemara somehow the rabbi understood that the context is the first washing. So the same way here, there's a debate, right? Whether you did it before going to the mikvah or not. Here too, we have a debate where Rabbi Meir says that you actually wash your hands before going to the mikvah. 
and they understand that that means that's the first time you are changing clothes. Okay, so does everybody see that? If we assume it's the first time you're changing clothes, he says, look, here the Rabbanon, here's Rebbe Meir is saying it. Let's read Rebbe Meir again. Okay, Rebbe Meir, Omer, again, it's not obvious that we're talking about the first change of clothes, but that's the context they understand. Rebbe Meir, Omer, Pashat, take off, understood to be your weekday clothes, Vikidesha Davraglav, and wash your hands. Go to the mikvah. So he says, look, I've got a bright that says that you would wash your hands for a mayor even when you take off your weekday clothes. So the Gemara says, I'm a lehu, itanya, tanya. Okay, if you got a bright, so what can I do? Okay, but it's not exactly clear that it means that he agrees. So basically, again, I know that this is getting confusing, okay? Let's try, but I was trying to try to repeat it one last time, okay? So here you have weekday clothes and your code is closed. Okay? And we'll start with this again, your code is closed. So Rebbe Mayer, let's focus on Rebbe Mayer. What Rebbe Mayer says. Rebbe Mayer says, according to Rebbe Mayer, you, you do wash number one and then wash number two. Okay? And the question is, how do we interpret that? We interpret that all of this is preparatory to your weekday code. That's so you take it the whole time. What? That's the, that's the, it is all preparatory to your BK code. You wash, you go to the mitzvah, you put it on, you wash, and all of that relates to your BK code. If that were true, then you would do it even in this first transition as well. That's what the rabbis want to say. And why isn't Rebbe Mayer doing it? It must be our mission is not Rebbe Mayer. Rapapa says a much more reasonable thing. He says, this is not, the first one isn't related to your BK code. The first one is related to your BK code. Okay, and that's what the first one is about. So the only debate of Rebbe Meir and the Rabbanan is that Rebbe Meir says you first take off your clothes and you do it, and the Rabbanan say, so this is Rebbe Meir, and this is the Rabbanan. They say you do while your clothes are still on. But everybody agrees it relates to the clothes you're taking off, and therefore you're not going to do it here according to Rebbe Meir. Okay? So basically, everybody agrees, wash your hands, go to the mikvah, wash your hands. The whole debate of Rebbe Meir and the Rabbanan is you do the washing of the first time after you've taken off your clothes or before you've taken off your clothes. And that leads to a conceptual debate of is Rebbe Mayer about preparing for the Big Day Kodesh? Is that one way of understanding Rebbe Mayer? Or is it just about taking off the clothes but just you do it after? And the Nafimina is the Big Day Kodesh. If it's about preparing for the Big Day Kodesh, so then Rebbe Mayer would say the same way. Rebbe Mayer would say it's about preparing for the Big Day Kodesh. So the preparing consists of three things. One washing of a hand, one mikvah, and another washing of a hand. That's what Rebbe Meir would say. If it's about getting off of the big dechol, then he would not. Then it would, it would not start. Then you would not have that first washing. Okay. So that is the question about whether Rebbe Meir would say you do one washing before you go to the mikvah, and they have a brayta that supports it. But Rebbe Papa is very reasonably saying, I don't think, according to Rebbe Meir, it's us preparing for the new clothes. I think the first washing is for taking off the old clothes, and even Rebbe Mayer would agree you would not have it when you do that first transition. Okay, you, we'll end you, here. You, I think you, I successfully... What? No, no, no. Where are you?